Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today we're taking you all the way to Australia, where we will hear from one of Melbourne's kinkiest rubbermen. Later on, we'll get into some hot topics, including bondage and public play. Get ready for some more Leather Talk. Is it like connected by Bluetooth or something? No, it's just got like a microphone bit at the top of the console, I guess. So it reacts to that. And I've had it where I've had it in somebody and then just played like the least sexy music. <laughs> so the song I'm thinking of in particular is this. It's an Australian pop song from uh, like 2000 called Strawberry Kisses. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and if anyone remembers the 2000 Olympic Games, there was this little girl um, who I say little girl. She's the exact same age as me. So she's like 33 now. <laughs> Um, but she was like the main character in the story they were trying to tell in the Sydney Olympic Games. Uh-huh. And she was like on the, all these wires and she was hur- hurling around and I think she sang the national anthem or something. She then released a debut single called Strawberry Kisses, which everyone seems to really remember as being really, really terrible. But I loved Bubblegum Pop um, and I love forcing people to listen to it. I want you to put that butt plug in you and then I'll play the violin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sounds like a good plan. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Well, before we get any further, why don't we introduce you? Uh, Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, I'm Liam Clark. I'm 33 years old. I'm originally from Albury, Wodonga, Australia, um, but I was the Melbourne Rubberman 2016 and the silver medalist at Mr. International Rubber uh, 20. Awesome, awesome. And Liam, uh, would you mind telling us your gender pronouns and your sexual orientation, please? Yes, I am a gay man, uh, and my pronouns are he, him. Awesome, awesome. Cool. So you are the first, um, well, first Australian, but also the first rubber man that I've had the pleasure of talking with before. Oh my gosh. Yes, I know. It's been too too long, right? <laughs> wow. That, that's uh, I mean, there's a lot of great rubber guys over there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're the first rubber man to come on, on the show, and I'm really excited because this is kind of like a world that I haven't dived into myself. So let's talk about rubber, huh? Um, when did you first come across rubber and like, how did that happen? <clears throat> uh, little trigger warning here. As I'm listening back editing this episode, I realized that um, in the next few minutes, Liam will be talking a little bit more about his experiences at a young age. So just a little trigger warning for those of you who might be sensitive towards listening to stories of sexual exploration at a young age. If that is you, please skip forward a few minutes. And with that said, let's jump right back in. Uh, So my very first memory is um, when I was about eight, I guess, um, my dad had these thick chemical resistant latex gloves in his shed. Um... And I found them, and I remember just being fascinated by them. They were t- they were too big for me to wear properly, um, but I remember stealing them and trying to put them on, and just sort of 
feeling the texture and feeling it against my skin. And uh, I stole them and um, hid them in my bedroom. And they became an item I was fascinated with until um, I think, uh, I forget who found them, but somebody found them and took them off me. (laughs) (laughs) So at that point, was it like a sexual thing for you or was it just a fascination with like the texture and the way it felt? Um, I think, I mean, given that I was eight, I didn't have a huge understanding of sexuality at that point, uh-huh. but in looking back, yeah, I, it was definitely like a prepubescent, uh, sexual experience, um, that I can't really contextualize other than the fact that I can think back to how it made me feel. And I know that that feeling as an adult is a arousal of I some see. description. So it was definitely some sort of sexual thing if an eight-year-old can have that kind of experience right right i know what you're saying like i i think we all have those moments when we're, we we look back at like eight nine ten and we're like oh that was sexual like i didn't think that. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yep so and then what about your experience coming into it as an adult like how has that been different um well i mean it's it's got other people involved now <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I think the progression from there was at about 14, I, um, discovered pornography. I had unsupervised internet access because my parents didn't want to hear the modem. So they let me have it in my bedroom. And from there on, I was able to explore to my heart's content and pretty quickly found the kinky porn. Then when I was, I think I want to say about 20, uh, or 21, I moved down to Melbourne and met some rubber guys who let me try their stuff on and it was like oh yep yep i'm into this this is the thing (laughs) um and from there it was very hidden hidden i didn't tell any of my friends i was into this i was terrified that they were gonna discover that i was some disgusting pervert and it sort of moved on from there and as i got older i cared less Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, I felt the same way about leather. I was like, oh, God, I'm a kinky fucker. Like, (laughs) I'm I'm jealous, though. You've managed to come out at a much younger age than I did. I I was totally, like, uptight about the whole thing until I was about 25, 26. Oh, good. You think I'm so much younger? No, I'm 28. Are you really? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god you're so fresh-faced what <laughs> well uh i do wear moisturizer and sunscreen <laughs> my gosh i thought you were about 22 23 no i think i came into kink around 25 or 26 like lightly oh right so we're in this we're fully in the same boat then oh well actually if it's lightly, no, I was pretty heavily. I was just in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I was a person that kind of dipped my toe and then kind of stepped in gradually. Like even in my even during my competition, one of the judges came up to me and was like, are you involved in the community in any way? And I'm like, yeah, you probably don't notice me because I'm kind of like swimming around. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought you were... Yeah, well, dang. You got that baby face. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to work that as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> So now, are you also into leather or like kind of exclusively into rubber? Nope, definitely into leather as well. Um, I remember a pretty similar experience, um, again, with my dad um, and stealing a pair of gloves. He had some leather gloves. I, I, I had to apologize to my dad once all this uh, 
once I became more public about it and he heard about all this, I, I apologized to him for stealing his gloves all the time. He had no recollection of either pair of gloves. But yeah, I've always been into glove, uh, always been into leather as well. I think up until just before I won my title, I would say it was about 50-50, which I was wearing more often. But a lot of that also came down to the fact that the leather is so much easier to get into. Um, so a lot of the time I was wearing leather just because I couldn't be bothered lubing myself up and getting into rubber. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm going to have to ask you a little bit about that. Uh, so you're saying <laughs> that you physically have to put like J-Lube on your body to put it on? like <laughs> Silicon silicon lube. Yeah, you got to uh, either silicon lube or talcum powder. Otherwise, it just doesn't move properly and it uh, rips all your leg hairs out and it's a very painful experience. Uh, the first time I ever put a cat suit on, I used water-based lube and my leg hairs did not recover for several months. Oh, wow. Okay, so... Uh, we- <sighs> Well, I have so many questions. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you must go through a lot of lube. Yeah. Um, I, I use liters upon liters. Um, I'm quite fortunate in that I used to work for um, a sexual health promotion organization down here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have friends uh, in luby places who uh, all I need to do is put a quick word in and sometimes I just uh, – <laughs> Get a couple of bottles here or there. So do you have to shave as well? No, I'm naturally not a particularly hairy person. Okay. So I I don't really have issue. Um, Even my leg hairs, they're pretty fine. So a light coating of silicon lube is totally fine. But even for hairier people, just more, that's the key. You just need to make sure you're nice and coated. So depending on how long you have this on, uh, does that like clog up your pores? Yeah, it's... You've definitely, if you've been wearing rubber a lot in a short space of time, like uh, during like a rubber week, uh, Mr. International Rubber, Melbourne Rubber Week, various things, um, I find that I have to be much more meticulous with scrubbing uh, with a loofah when I get out of my rubber um, just to make sure it's not lingering in your pores too much. Otherwise, uh, I'm, I'm a fairly pimply guy and I end up with an outbreak and it's gross. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because like, I'm kind of a, I guess my legs are, are definitely kind of hairy. And if I stay too long in tight clothing, like I'll, I'll get like red, red, um, like lesions, I guess you could say, I know this sounds gross, but like, <laughs> uh, but it's like, I, I just have to make sure that I'm always clean, yeah. you know, thoroughly. And especially yeah. if you're then coating yourself with silicon lube, you need to get that out of your pores. Right, um, right. So it, it's always important to make sure you give your skin enough time to breathe in between, uh, which is also why, you know, cat suits aren't always the thing. You know, you can go like a, a short sleeve option, a short, short option. You know, there, there are ways to work around it if you need to breathe but still want to be in rubber. So what's your favorite rubber outfit? Oh, fuck. Um, it varies depending on what mood I'm in, I think. I've got a couple of really cool cat suits, and there's one that has just, I guess, popped into my mind immediately, which is uh, black, metallic, green, and silver, which I had custom made for me by a good friend of mine in Russia. And I really, really like that one. But if you ask me this question in another 20 minutes' time, I will possibly have a different answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. I have so many questions for you about rubber because it's it's just so interesting. But... I, I do want to know, what's the difference, I mean, at least for you, from your perspective, mm-hmm. what are the main differences between leather and rubber? Obviously, the the, the material, but I, what I mean it more is like the, the environment that you find yourself in, the attitude that you find yourself in, kind of the headspace maybe. Are, are they different or similar? Or 
Yeah, I I am. Well, I, I when I'm trying to give a shorthand answer to this, I always give uh, the incredibly nerdy answer of um, somebody who plays Dungeons and Dragons. Um, <laughs> leather makes me feel lawful good. Rubber makes me feel chaotic good. So I, I feel uh, in le- leather is more, there's more structure and rule and tradition attached to it. Even if you don't necessarily adhere to any of those traditions or rules, it's still a part of it. Like even if you're doing your own thing, you still have to have an understanding of that, of the history and where people are coming from and how other people are interacting with leather. I mean, it grew out of like sort of a military fetish and looking for order and that kind of realm. Rubber turned up a little bit later and I think has been very influenced by things like the punk scene and ravers and counterculture. So it's kind of a little bit looser and freer and there's not so many rules attached to it. Um, it's kind of like a rebellion from that in a way. Uh, also, I think because leather is quite rigid in a way, it tends to hold you in a certain way and you have to hold your posture a certain way. And, and it can't really be sewn into as many different things. Mm-hmm. Whereas rubber, you glue together. It's very thin, it's very flexible, and it comes in so many different colors. So there's really far less limitations on what you can create out of rubber. So it tends to feel sort of more underground and kinky. And I don't think I can ever discuss rubber without like thinking of that scene in uh, that movie Entrapment where Catherine Zeta-Jones is in the cat suit and she's doing all these like fabulous cartwheels and contortions to get past the lasers. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It just makes me feel like that, like sexy and slinky and like I'm about to go on a really, really fabulous jewel heist. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, so obviously leather is like fairly thin. And and, and like you said before, leather it has a lot to do with like tradition and, mm-hmm. and, you know, some rules. And I think what a lot of people really, well, I mean, I, I guess I won't speak for people. I'll speak for myself. What I really enjoy about leather is one, like the smell, but like you said, the tradition of having like, for example, my, my competition, I borrowed some boots that were passed down through, you know, several generations. And I really felt like, you know, a part of history wearing those boots. And, mm-hmm. and in leather, are you like, does it last long enough to pass down to the next generation? Or is it kind of like a one-time use thing? Uh, it's, yeah, it, it doesn't last as long. I think uh, a lot of rubber gear, maybe you've got 10, 15 years out of it. I've still got some stuff that I bought 10 years ago. Um, but it is starting to fade. And even then, like something you bought a year ago, you can bump up against the wrong thing and the whole thing can split. Um, I often feel like when I care for my leather, it's nourishing it and putting time into it and caring for it so I can pass it down on the next generations. And with my rubber, it's just me like constantly screaming, don't you die on me. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's rubber is much, much harder to have that sort of historical thing because it is so much more unpredictable it, it will degrade and die over time there's no way of stopping it so the best you can do is enjoy it while you can I, i'm just thinking of the old analogy like aging like milk versus fine wine <laughs> yeah it's it's you know um rubber is here for a good time not for a long time right oh i like that here for a good time not for a long time well it really seems like the the creativity in someone can come out more in rubber you know maybe not necessarily in in leather but um, you know, I, I've heard of people like running in leather competitions and we've had, you know, one person on the show before who said like, 
I tried to accessorize my leather in certain ways, and that may have cost me some points in the leather competition. But it mm-hmm. sounds like rubber, there's a lot more freedom to express that. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I think in, in all of the contests, rubber contests I've watched or judged uh, or been a part of, it's the ones who can come up with interesting or kooky concepts that tend to do the best, I think. You can tell a story with your gear in a way that you can't really in the leather competitions. Uh, in the leather, it's the story they want you to tell is, I'm a traditional leather man. In the rubber ones, it's there's a lot more, I mean, almost fashion, I guess. Like I know my competition, the theme I weaved throughout my whole thing is I, I'm sort of this weird sporty geek, I guess. Uh, in okay. high school, I was a total nerd, but I was also the sport captain of my house. So I've always been straddling this line. I'm from the country. You have to have. Wait a second. Okay. For, for, is this like a European th- or like an Australian thing? What's a sport captain? Oh, okay. Um, you, you've read Harry Potter, right? Yes. Yeah. So I was like the Quidditch captain for my house. Okay. I got it. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it's, we have houses in school. Um, and then each, it, the, at least in my school, it was the boy and girl from each house who were the most accomplished in inter-school sport. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I yeah. don't think we have that kind of thing here in the States. Well, I think the, the USA has a very different relationship to sports in high school than the rest of the world does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for us, it's sort of like a, a fun, have it, a, give it a go. Everyone has a great time kind of thing. Right. Here it's like you need a scholarship to get to college so you can't perform professionally. <laughs> yeah, it's it looks very – I mean, of course, I'm basing all my knowledge on high school sports in the US on TV, and that may be uh, an exaggeration, um, <laughs> but it looks like a different thing. So I, I was the sport right. captain because I, uh, I was a good swimmer in school. So a lot of my rubber has sort of a sporty theme to it because I, you know, I have a bit of a sports fetish as well, so I tie them in together a bit. And therefore, like all the stuff I wore during my contest were all had like a little bit of a sporty thing going. Well, what what kind of outfits did you wear in your contest? Uh, so, oh gosh, what was my first round? Oh, the first round was uh, full coverage. Uh, so I went out in my black cat suit and I had um, gas mask on and gloves and sneakers and a uh, black and white rubber harness. Um, my idea was to go out and look quite imposing and then take my gas mask off uh, and then have uh, somebody in the front row hand me my glasses. Okay. So I would look, you know, somewhat imposing coming out and then just look like a nerdy dork for the rest of the round. Um, <laughs> the second round uh, we had was the flesh round, which I guess my the contest I did was pretty much a direct port from our leather competition. They'd copied the sort of format over. So instead of the jockstrap round, we had a flesh round, which was uh, we had to wear some sort of minimal rubber. So I went out in um, a rubber Speedo um, and I had some goggles and a towel and I like there was a bathroom backstage. So I like doused myself in water. So I was dripping water all over the stage, looking like I'd just come out of the pool. <laughs> um, somehow managed not to fall over. And then the third round, I have um, a rubber version of the Australian soccer uniform. So I was wearing that in like some locker room fantasy thing that I was awkwardly trying to portray. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sounds like a good time. <laughs> yeah. The rubber competitions, I feel, um, are less about, um, particularly in Australia, I, I feel like it's less about the actual contest and more about putting on a show for people. We have all our, like, so our leather competition, our rubber competition, and the Australian bear competition all happen in Melbourne over winter. 
which is traditionally the hardest time of year to get people into the bars. So for us, it's sort of become this support the venue, give everyone an excuse to get together and have enough people that it's warm enough to wear rubber in winter. (laughs) Well, okay. So what are some other different, it sounds like the attitude is totally different really. Because I I think every leather competition I've been to has, like you said, kind of been like, you know, I'm a part of this tradition. I'm moving it forward. I'm a part of the legacy. And I mean, just in my own experience, leather puts me in a, a headspace that is a little bit more, I don't want to, I'm not speaking for everybody, but just for me, at least, you know, when I put on my leather, I become like this uh, primal sexual in in a more serious way, I guess you could say, in less of a playful way. And it sounds like rubber is sexually playful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel like a, a sexy supervillain uh, in, in the rubber, whereas in, in leather, I feel like some sort of sexy authority figure, I guess. Yeah. Like a principal or something. <laughs> I don't know what, but yeah, I, th- I think I know what you're Yeah, like, like, like a sexy park ranger. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of like the supervillain thing, um, uh-huh. you know, there are people that I've talked to who, who um, you know, Pup, Pup Yoshi is one of them who who kind of mentioned like the superhero fetish. Oh, I love Pup Yoshi. Okay, yeah, he's on the show as well. He's I think he's episode four or five, uh, but he kind of like lightly mentioned that. What is the relationship between like the superhero fetish and the rubber fetish? Um, I think it's pretty intertwined. I, I would say that the relationship between the superhero fetish and the rubber fetish is similar to the relationship between the superhero fetish and the lycra fetish. Wait a second, lycra? Yeah, you don't know there's a whole lot of people into lycra? Okay, you'll, okay, elaborate. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's a lot of people who are very, very turned on by lycra. And I think because superheroes tend to wear that sort of thing, rubber is just a slight extension of that. A lot of superhero costumes look quite rubbery. I'm currently going through the Marvel Universe um, with my housemate during lockdown because there's not much else to do and I hadn't seen most of them. And uh, Kate Blanchett's costume as Hela in uh, Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, that looks quite rubbery. Like I, I can imagine seeing a feminine rubber person wearing something very similar to what Hela wears. So I think a lot of it tends to get inspired by pop culture, like anything does. I mean, as much as my rubber soccer uniform is inspired by the guys who are trying their best to represent us in soccer, uh, we're not a very good soccer team, um, I think... It's moving beyond that and like fetishizing superheroes. Okay, I'm I'm just googling Lycra right now. Yeah, did, did are you not? Is that a new world for you? Well, okay, I I think I've worn Lycra before, but I didn't know exactly what it was because I haven't thought uh, about it. Okay, but yeah, now, no. now I see it. It's like a shimmery spandex kind of thing. Oh yeah, Lycra and spandex. I think are the same thing. I could be wrong here, but I think Lycra tends to be more the word in Europe and spandex is more the word in America. I think they're both brand names of the same thing. But yeah, there's huge, I mean, particularly in Europe, there are a lot of people into lycra and spandex. But yeah, I mean, I, I think my my wearing of rubber isn't like any sort of superhero in particular. It's more of the feeling of a superhero or a supervillain. Although having watched the Marvel Cinema Universe, oh, Chris Evans. <laughs> Captain America, my gosh. America. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm imagining what it's like. You know, you might have me dabbling into some new things after this interview. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I'm imagining putting on the rubber with like lubed up and Mm -hmm. um, 
are you wearing any kind of underwear underneath this or is it just no. right on your dick? Um, I'm the only time I wear underwear is if I'm wearing shorts or uh, trousers that are made of rubber because they're very, very tight. And for some reason, um, well, this is not bragging. It's just like a, a, a thing. I have abnormally large balls. Um, so if I don't wear some underwear when I'm wearing things like uh, shorts or pants, it just like I get really weird moose snuggle. I get one going one way, one going the other. So I need something to hold them all together and just sort of smoosh it in a bit. Um, for some reason, it doesn't do that when I'm wearing a cat suit. And I can't quite figure out why. Hmm. Maybe there's more room for forgiveness in the crotch of a cat suit. But either way, the only time I wear underwear is if it's going to be beneficial to protect the balls. Um, and then it's rubber underwear. <laughs> Got it. Cool, cool. So if you're in a cat suit and you like get mm -hmm. a boner, can we see your dick? Yep. Nice. <laughs> one of and one of my cat suits is like uh, semi translucent as well, so you can literally see it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine they don't really complain when you go to out to the bars like this. No, no. It, it's uh, it's a feature rather than a bug. Nice. All right. Well, that kind of, that's kind of getting me hard over there just thinking about like it, <laughs> getting a boner and then people can totally see your dick. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's, it's definitely something that um, friends of mine will do. They'll intentionally either say something or do something to get me hard. And they'll be like, haha, we can see your dick. <laughs> and I guess you like that attention, right? Oh, totally. I mean, who doesn't like being hard? <laughs> <laughs> So are, do your girlfriends ever come out with you to the bar and, and see you in your whole cat suit? Um, the, not usually. Okay. Um, the main bar here that has all the fetish nights is um, a male and male identifying only bar. It's, uh, I think, the only one in Australia to have an exemption like that. Um, oh, so women are not allowed in this space? Not in that one. Um, okay. And when I am in sort of mixed gender spaces... There, I mean, when there are women there, they're usually rubber or leather women. So it's not like a... So they understand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that there's been only very few times when my female friends from outside the rubber world have seen me in rubber. And then I try, I usually try and wear something more family friendly. There's some of my gear. I have these um, rubber American football pants. Um, and because they've got the lacing at the front, they tend to hide the bulge a little bit. I see. Um, so I tend to wear those a little more often when I'm out in public just because I don't want to – I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable that might be uncomfortable seeing what, what is essentially my dick. Um, I, I use the, the example of my friend Elise. Uh, Elise is one of my best friends. I don't really want her to see my penis. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I imagine that if I'm going to something that she's going to be at, I'm going to wear something that's a little bit less revealing. Right. That being said, the last time um, we had like an open day at the bar, they have like a, a couple of days a year where it's open to everyone and that we have like a kink fair. So she came along to that and the suit I was wearing accidentally split <gasps> down, down at the crotch. The, the zip came away. It's oh been fixed God. now, but for a good portion of like half an hour, I'm like, Oh God, I've got to get out of here. One of my balls is about to fall out of this suit. <laughs> and, and frustratingly it happened while I was doing like a guest auction thing. Perfect. Uh, 
So I was like the one that was showing off the stuff. So I just had to hold everything over my crotch <laughs> and everyone was confused as to why I was holding it like that. And then at the end, the guy doing the auction was like, oh, Liam's suit is split. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, is I bet, I, I bet Elise wouldn't care. I bet you should just laugh at you and be like, oh my God, what a dork. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I, I, I don't necessarily want to, uh, I don't know, put friends in that position who may not be comfortable oh yeah um, i totally with, get that yeah um i feel like in, in the bar everyone's expecting uh to be able to see my dick i mean often i get changed right there in the middle of the place so everyone sees me naked getting ready anyway so i got you know it's it's a uh, i mean it's not there's not consent by, by but by coming into the bar you're consenting to that sort of thing whereas i don't want to put anyone in an awkward position where they're like oh god that's that's Liam's penis, <laughs> which you can also find on the internet if you really try. It just reminds me of like my my sister. She like she was like, "Oh wow, you have like a whole leather Instagram." Like I want to follow <laughs> that, and I'm like, "Like I don't know if I want you to follow it." <laughs> like, oh oh my god, my my mum is the worst for inappropriate comments. Um, <laughs> so uh, from, there's a photo of me from the podium um, of MIR. Um, and I couldn't find my jock strap and I'm wearing the, the soccer uniform. So I've just sort of mashed everything off to the side and I'm like, that'll do. And my mum's first comment on the photo was, oh my God, Liam, I'm so proud of you. And wow, your genitals are prominent in this photo. <laughs> She's so proper with her terms. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, and then like occasionally she'll send me a message saying, your butt looks really cute in that outfit. It's like, thanks mom. <laughs> Well, your mom sounds like a really like a badass. Oh, she's she's great. Like when I won Melbourne Rubber Man, I expected her to say something, and all she said was, "Oh, congratulations." Uh, <laughs> and then like months later, I was like, "That was all the reaction you had?" And she was like, "Oh yeah, I was at a bunch of the Mr. Leather Sydney competitions back in the day. I just assumed it was like that." Oh wow, she seems very open. Oh yeah, total hippie. Um, she worked with drag queens in Belfast in the late seventies because she thought Belfast was a cool place to hang out in the late seventies. So, how was that like coming out for you then? Did she just totally like think it was the coolest thing? Uh, she was just very blasé about it. She was like, "Oh, I knew your brother was gay, but I didn't know that you were," and that was about it. I just think it's so fascinating when parents like don't care. Yeah, I I was I was almost annoyed because I'd been like bracing myself, and I mean I don't know why I thought I I was gonna get like some sort of negative reaction. My brother's gay; they were fine with it. Uh, I mean, he's a dick, and no one likes him, but <laughs> it's irrelevant to the fact that he's gay. He's just a dick, um, right? Yeah. When I came out, I was like, "Oh my god, are they going to be upset that they're not going to have grandchildren, and or that they've you know failed as parents because they had two gay children?" And my mom was like, "Cool." And my dad was like, okay, as long as you're happy, whatever. How funny. What what a cool parents. Yeah, yeah, they're just really, really casual. My mom's a total hippie and my dad is just okay with everything, I guess. Just, you know, he's like, eh, live your life, have a good time, whatever. Stay safe. I love you. Nice. <laughs> so, okay, so you have a couple titles here. Uh-huh. Well, one and then like an almost other one. Oh, an almost. <laughs> That's right. You were runner up. Yeah, the most successful person who lost. <laughs> so what was that competition? Uh, so that was uh, Mr. International Rubber back in 2016. Uh, but they go, much like IML, they do it by edition, not by year, because it happens in November. 
And that was like, the, it was totally weird as an experience. I saw who the other contestants were and I was fully sure. So there were nine of us and I was fully sure I was going to come like seventh or eighth. I'm like, okay, look, it's all these Americans. They're all buff and like muscular and more experienced. And then there's some Europeans and they're all like, they've all gone to each other's parties all summer and like they all know each other. And I'm just this weirdo from Melbourne, Australia. I'm the first rubber title holder from the Southern Hemisphere. I'm a dork from the country who doesn't know how any of this works. Uh, they're probably going to hate me. Fuck it. I'm just going to go have a good time. And that's the best way to get one to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I went in with very few expectations. I, I didn't. I, the, there was the, the first point where I thought I actually had a chance at getting a medal was just before we went out for the podium. Um, and I looked at my phone and a friend of mine sent me a screenshot from the live stream. And like half the comments were like, oh, that Australian guy is going to win. Oh, wow. And I was like, I was like, what? People actually think I might do well? What the hell? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, which I'm glad I didn't see until that point because I fully, yeah, I was pretty sure I was going to do pretty badly. Not realizing that for some reason in the rubber community in America, you guys really like nerds. They might be fetishized. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, over here, I'm not necessarily the flavor. But over there, I, yeah. Um, thank you, America. I do really well over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny because, like, uh, I think I was telling you a little bit on the phone earlier. Like, I don't know if you have, have these websites over in Australia, too, but, like, the jack-off websites where you kind of see each other's cameras and you just kind of swipe through between different people that are camming. Uh-huh. And one guy saw me, like, you know, wearing my glasses, and he's like, oh, I love a, a Latino in glasses. And I'm like... <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. But oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's a market right there. You could start up hotlatinosinglasses.com. Oh my gosh! Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It's, it's come on, make that money. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so I just I love how playful your your attitude is, and it, I guess it really meshes a lot with the rubber kind of feel. Mm -hmm. um, now I do want to get into a little bit more of like your sex life if that's okay oh sexual <laughs> <laughs> okay well can you tell us maybe a, like give us a little play-by-play -play of maybe one of your most memorable sexual fantasies played out in rubber Ooh, okay oh actually rather than yes I'll, I'll describe a time uh it was in the united states i'm not gonna say where um <laughs> It was, I was visiting a friend. It was just after Mr. International Rubber, actually. Um, and I was doing a little bit of a, a road trip and visiting a lot of people I'd been talking to. And I went to this uh, one particular city and I met up with my friend and we were staying together. And he had this dungeon, like a literal basement playroom. So we got geared up and he put an electro butt plug in me. Ooh. And I'd never had one of those in me before. Uh, and then he restrained me and then put me in a sleep sack and left me in there and edged me and came back and edged me a little bit for like two or three hours. Oh my God. And uh, actually at one point, which hilariously, his cat came down and sat on me. Um, <laughs> and I remember him going, oh, I'm so sorry. I, d I just didn't want to lock him in the bathroom because I didn't want to think he'd, I didn't want him to think he'd done something wrong. And if I can laugh during like a sexual play, I'm always going to remember it more fondly. Uh, so then after that, uh, he had this like suspension harness rig thing. So he put me in that, cranked the electro butt plug up a bit more, edged me a bit more, took it out, fucked me real hard. 
and then I blew everywhere. Oh my God. What? This is like a matter of hours? Yeah, that was over about probably three or four hours. Wow. So who is your friend and where does he live? <laughs> <laughs> so I, he, he lives, uh, well, I don't want to give it away entirely because if I say the city he lives in, I think a oh. lot of people will know because he's one of the more prominent kinksters in that city. Got it, got it. <laughs> uh, but it's definitely, it's a city in the US that is not necessarily known for kink. Ah, interesting. Okay. Mm. <laughs> well, you're going to have us all guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you when you stop recording. <laughs> we should hold, hold, hold a sweepstakes. So whoever answers first correctly gets a mug from Leather Talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow, that's so interesting. So I wonder, if, are you more of a submissive when it comes to sex or do you kind of switch? I'm more of a submissive when it comes to kink. Okay. Um, when it comes to the actual act of sex, I'm verse. Um, I like I like fucking. And I like being fucked. It's a good time all around. <laughs> all right. So you enjoy, you know, quote unquote, vanilla sex as well. Yeah, totally. Um, a, a lot of the time for me, my fetish is just getting into rubber and fucking or being fucked. While you're in the rubber. Yeah. Um, often that that's enough. So do you have one of those where they have like a, a zipper in the back for your butt? Oh up? yeah. Oh my God. The, the zips everywhere. <laughs> um, I don't think I own anything rubbery that I can't either just pull down uh, over my, uh, under my junk or that I can't unzip. Or in a couple of cases, I have a cod piece that just sort of pulls off like a tear away. You know, you really do have me interested. I can, I can really see myself in a cat, whole cat suit with like a zipper and everything right now. Oh, yeah. Describing it, so it sounds so much fun. Oh, it's great! Uh, it, it's just it's so tight and enclosing, and it it makes everyone look like more built, I guess, than they are. It, and even if you're a bigger guy and t- barrier, it makes you look more like a muscle bear. Like everything holds in a bit more, and everyone just looks a bit more super, I guess. You know, like, okay. it adds that superhero vibe. Like more defined, you can see all the lines and the curves. Yeah. Like I'm I'm a fairly slim guy and I'm not very muscular, but I look slightly muscular. I look more athletic when I'm wearing rubber. All right. So, okay, question. Have you ever like been at the bar, gotten hard, and because of like the friction and everything, like come inside of your suit? No, but I've definitely uh, come from like just a little bit of rubbing, like way too early. Nice. Um, I think... And this is a theory that I've only recently sort of come to understand. I think because I I wank all the time, like several times a day, um, particularly during lockdown. Oh, my God, I've been so fucking horny. Um, <laughs> I think because of that, it's very rare that I get off from anything other than wanking myself. Apparently, like it, it happens, particularly to guys who are circumcised, that you sort of like train your dick to only respond to a certain kind of uh, stimulation. So I, yeah. I often find it super hard to come from fucking someone or from being sucked. Uh, some people can do it. You know, that's a challenge, which I don't mind so much. Like, I'm perfectly happy to to finish myself off. I, I don't take it personally. I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm never upset at anyone if they can't get me off. If they, if they make me feel a certain kind of way that I'm, you know, I'm horny and in the mood and I've had a great time, that's good enough. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I'm sometimes just happy for somebody to sit on my face while I jerk myself off. Like that's a good time. Right, right. So it's not necessarily the uh, the result of coming inside of someone. It's the journey. It's the journey. Yeah, and 
I'm just happy to land the plane myself. There you go. <laughs> I love that. So what are some of your other kinks or fetishes? Or do you have any? Um, I have a huge, huge love of licking boots. So like, turned on by that. The bottoms or the tops? Yes. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it is, but there's something about boots. But it, it, even when... I don't even know if it's necessarily a submissive thing because there's been times when I've been fucking someone and their legs have been over my shoulders and the boots are right there. And it's like, I'm going to lick these right now. Um, So even when I'm like in more of a top, I mean, maybe sort of dominant position, I still like it. So I don't know exactly where that comes from, but it's real fun. Um, Bondage, obviously, I like more on the submissive. I like somebody taking control. I like being told I'm a good boy and that sort of thing. I wouldn't say I'm very bratty and I don't like pain at all, but um, which is something that a lot of people find very hard to believe. They, I think a lot of people think that if you're into rubber and kink, you're into the, the whole gamut and that's always something that like I've had people spank me on the ass and I hate that so much. Oh, you don't like being spanked? Not at all. It is one of my least favorite things. It just makes me angry, not turned on at all. So pretty much any time I've ever yelled at somebody in public has been because they've spanked me in the ass when I'm wearing rubber. Okay, okay. So don't spank Liam when he's at the bar. No, no. (laughs) A playful grab is fine. Just be careful you're not wearing any sharp jewelry. So what is the... how does consent look at the the bar? And do you notice any differences in like the culture of consenting and versus not consenting at a bar in like, let's say Australia versus the United States? Um, a little bit because for the most part, we're allowed to have sex in the bars here. Okay. Um, so we have two laws in the state I live in, which combined together sort of make it legal to have sex pretty much anywhere. Uh, one is the lay of the land law, which was initially brought in to stop developers and people moving in next door to bars and then complaining about their noise and making them close down. So it's that law says that the way something is in the area where you are, if it is not a detriment to the greater good, then you have to leave it the way it was. Okay. So, sort of ambiguous, but it's been used in defense of this before. Uh, and the other one is that Uh, It's like a cruising law. It is legal to have sex in Victoria in public if you have gone to a reasonable attempt to obscure yourself from public view. So if you're in a park and you fuck in the bushes, because the bushes are not the main part of the park and it's slightly out of the public view, that's legal. If you go into a toilet and you close the cubicle door, that's legal. Huh. So basically in the bar, as long as you're not fucking in the front doorway, you're fine. Because A, it's expected that that happens there. And B, you have gone to a reasonable attempt to obscure yourself from public view. Come on, America. Let's get with it. I love I know, this right? law. <laughs> oh, Victoria is the best. I love it. Um, so with those in mind, because there is the ability to have sex at this bar, not every night, not every night's the right mood for it, but particularly on a fetish gear night, we have like a little segmented off area. They put up a sheet of black plastic and that's considered the reasonable attempt. It's a little more forward, I guess, but it's also a little bit less risky is not the word I'm looking for, but like any time I've been approached for this sort of thing in the States, it's been like, but we've got to do it quick because if we get caught, we'll get kicked out. Right. 
But either way, there's usually more discussion in the States about the whole thing. In Australia, it tends to be more of this non-verbal cues where like you'll sort of cruise and then maybe you'll go up and like touch somebody and then you sort of see how they react. Sort of like assumed that if you're in that environment, you're aware that this is going to happen and that you know that you have to be direct about the way you say no or let somebody down. I see, I see. Um, I, I think in these kind of spaces, they have traditionally always been quite sexually charged. You need to be confident enough to be able to say no to somebody concisely, firmly, not necessarily aggressively. I see. So like without tearing them down necessarily. Yeah. Like, so there's been times when people have done that to me and I have been like, oh, please don't do that. I, I don't really want to be touched. And sometimes they've said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. You know, cool, whatever. Um, and that, that, I think that's an appropriate way to handle that sort of situation. I have had somebody then fly off and go, then why are you wearing that if you don't want to be touched? And, you know, you fucking tease and just go off like that. Not the right way to handle that sort of scenario. And that's when you speak to somebody at the bar and then they, they get a warning or they get kicked out. Got it. Got it. Well, I did want to pick your brain a little bit more about some of the differences between the United States and Australia as far as kink and sex goes. Mm -hmm. um, so since you guys do have the ability to have sex in the bars, do you guys also have bathhouses or sex clubs? Yeah. Um, sadly, one of the better sex clubs here in Melbourne has just closed down. Uh, gentrification mm -hmm. has struck again and it's now office buildings which is really upsetting. And apparently they're not tearing it down. They're just refurbishing it. Uh, so I laugh at whoever moves in there. Oh, my God, the amount of cum that has been in that building. <laughs> my gosh. Um, we do have a couple of gay saunas, um, which I didn't realize were a thing until after I'd uh, come back from living in uh, Northern Europe where regular sauna is a thing. And I was like, oh, let's go to the sauna. Uh, and then I was like, oh. People are having sex here. Uh, anyway, so there's still two of those. <laughs> um, right. But I don't really like wearing my rubber at them because it's too humid. Um, right. And it's not really the right environment. Um, but we, we still have some stuff. And I think there is one or two others on the other side of town. But it's Melbourne's so big and it sprawls. I'm never going to go to the south side. It's too far. So the sex is the sex club. The sex club is <coughs> separate from the sauna, right? It's like its own. It yeah. doesn't have necessarily like a sauna or a the, steam room. There is no water component aside from showers okay. and toilets. Okay. Okay. So are they because of the fact that they allow sex in the bars? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the difference? Because I we have sex clubs here, and I I always feel like it makes sense to have a sex club because we're not really allowed to have sex in the bars. But if I was allowed to have sex in the bars, I wouldn't really see a point in going to a sex club. Well, the bar doesn't have a sling and it doesn't have um, the same sort of ability for closed off one-on-one uh, -on -one sexual encounters. It's usually like a quick sort of liaison um, with everyone watching. So if, if you're okay. if you're an exhibitionist who just wants to get their dick sucked or you want to suck a dick or something like that, it's good for that. But there's not really a lot of ability to do much. Um, so you're not going to get fisted in a sling at the bar. No, no, uh, that is forbidden. Okay. Mostly, <laughs> mostly because they don't want people who are drunk 
uh, to be fisting. Ah, that would make sense. I wouldn't want someone drunk fisting me either. <laughs> no, and, or somebody who's drunk getting fisted, not realizing that something has gone wrong. Um, right. And then being like bleeding everywhere. Right. Yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or somebody who's impaired by alcohol and hasn't prepared getting fisted. Getting messy or something. Yeah, oh my God. Right. <laughs> It's making more and more sense now, America, why mm. we have these rules. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it's worth it for a uh, hygiene <laughs> point of view alone. So are you, you, do you have a partner? I do not. Um, you don't? Okay. My most recent relationship was nine years ago. None of the people I've dated have known about me being kinky. Okay. It just hasn't really seemed to pan out. I'm not close to the idea, but I'm also like happy by myself. But also, I'm oblivious. I'm so bad at picking up when anyone's interested in me. I found out after the fact so many times that somebody was flirting with me or wanted to go out with me, and they just thought that I wasn't interested. Oh, because you weren't reciprocating, but you weren't just reading them very well. Yeah, or I mean, I there's been times where I thought I was reciprocating, but that being said, maybe it's good that they didn't go anywhere. If if they are somebody who I can't read and they can't read me very well. Maybe it was sort of going to lead to us arguing in the future that we couldn't read each other anyway. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, I would I would encourage maybe you to be more forward. I, I remember I went on a, my first date with my partner now of five and a half years. And uh, he was, we were talking about like sports and cars and stuff. I don't even like sports and cars. And then <laughs> afterwards, I was like, well, he's like dropping off at home and I was like well like that was cool like I guess he doesn't like me whatever like he's talking to me like a friend and then afterwards he was like oh so like uh you're just uh you're gonna go home then and I'm like yep and he's like okay and I'm like well unless you want to come in and he's like yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh maybe he did like me okay <laughs> I'm, d I'm definitely open uh to the idea of being in a relationship with somebody just need to find the right person who is also geographically located in the right place. I've definitely ended up having way too many crushes on guys in the Northern Hemisphere because I think usually if I'm on holidays, I'm more forward about the way I feel about somebody. Mm -hmm. if, there's, if time is limited, I'm more blunt. Um, so what is your ideal partner? Like if you were to pick one out of a catalog? Um, in terms of looks, not super important. Uh, okay. I'm not really into like super muscular dudes. In terms of looks, I guess, normal boy next door. Like just somebody who looks like you, just regular person that you interact with. In terms of personality, I mean, kind, funny, caring, you know, general stuff and also kinky as hell. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Is it important for them to be kinky when you meet them or at least open to the idea? Yes. In order for there to be long-term sustainable sexual connection, they need to have a decent chunk of stuff in common with me sexually. So let me ask you this. Are you uh, under the mindset of being more more geared towards monogamy? No. No, okay. No, I could never do monogamy. There's too many different things I'm interested in um, and too many different kinds of sex I like to have that I just can't get from one person. Got it, got it. But I also think I, I, I can... Well, I think polyamory definitely has a lot of merits. I think you can get different things from different people. I mean, it's like 
saying, you know, the, the idea of monogamy is also suggesting, so you can only love one of your grandparents. Like, I love all my grandparents. I get different things from different of them. Well, I mean, they're mostly dead now, but still, when they were alive, <laughs> yeah. I got, di- you know, I loved all of them and I got different things from each of them. So I, I think there's a lot of merit in polyamory. I could do emotionally monogamous, I think. I don't think I'd have a problem with that. I like the idea of having a partner to have fun adventures in life with. But I also think, like, sex is fun. Right. And you just want to have... Yeah. You don't want to be held back because you're in a relationship with somebody as far as sex goes. But also, I'm not always going to be in the mood for sex. And I want them to be able to go out and have sex when they're mega horny. All right. Cool. Well, it doesn't sound like you're asking for too much. Come on, Australia. Well, they also have to like cats. Uh, Oh, okay. There we go. (laughs) And they have to to be okay with uh, the fact that I am intensely passionate about the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, which I've explained to you, but you're not sure what it is because it's not really a thing in America. So they have to have some interest in the contest, but maybe not to the level I have. Okay. (laughs) And they have to deal with the fact that for about four to five months every year, I'm going to talk about nothing but that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, speaking of cats, and I know you 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 said you were maybe not the expert on this, but mm-hmm. are you into animal role playing? Well, sort of. I I, I don't. Okay. I'm I'm not into it at the level in which I could confidently say I am a cat publicly. I guess, but I liked. I, I have a cat hood, and I wear it out sometimes. Uh, mostly when I'm hanging out with pup friends. Uh, okay. I feel like. Energy-wise, I'm very cat-like. I have narcolepsy, so I sleep all the time. Often when I don't want to, it just happens. And I, I'm sort of I'm friendly but aloof at the same time, which I, I blame on my Nordic ancestry. We're all a little bit aloof. So I, I, I feel like I resonate to the energy of a cat really well, particularly in the way that I relate to my friends who are pups. One-on-one, really great. In a group, it's all a bit too much for me, so I like to sort of sit on the sidelines. Interesting. I also do like knocking things off tables. <laughs> it's just fun. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't get it, but it's like, ooh, knock it over. Are you the guy that walks to the office and just starts knocking shit over just to piss people off? <laughs> a little bit, but just in like a stupid way. Like if my friend's got a, a water bottle on the desk, I'll just knock it over. <laughs> I used to have a cat and he would do shit like that all the time. Yeah, my cat does it all the time. It's, it's adorable. I like to imagine he's a scientist and he's like trying to learn how physics works. <laughs> Uh, so you, your title year is, what was it, 2016? 2016. So I, I, I handed over the reins in July 2017. Okay. And what was your, what was your platform then? And has it changed? Um, well, we don't really have platforms per se. Okay. Like you don't really have to stand for anything. Um, for Melbourne Rubberman, the main sort of aim is to promote rubber in Melbourne and be like, there for people to ask questions and to promote Melbourne and rubber outside of the city. Okay. So you're like a figurehead for rubber versus like, this is what I stand for. And this is what I'm going to do like with the kink community per se. That being said, I think each of the four of us title holders have stood for something personally as well. We've had something that we wanted to do, Mm -hmm. which is usually something to do with visibility. Um, For me in the the bar, the fetish bar, uh, it, it had a bit of a, notorious name around as being only for bears or only for like big buff leather men and the iconography within the bar kind of reinforced that there was there's nothing in that bar prior to 2016 
that made anyone who was slim or lanky or geeky or like not somebody who was thin but not muscular feel like they were welcome there at all. Um, and even to the point where I had gone there when, when I was much younger on what I now have discovered was a bear night and had somebody tell me that I should leave because I don't belong there. So for me, it was very much about I want to show people who look like me, who might not be crazy masculine, who might look like stereotypical nerd number two from some sort of college teen movie. We belong in the lead. We're allowed to be there and you know we have a place. And the fetish gear nights are not just for buff muscle dudes. Anyone can go. And, you know, I get that I'm a, a cis white man and I'm not like the, the kind of body shaming that somebody who is slim and not muscular gets is considerably less than what somebody who is a fuller figure would get. But at the same time, I don't really, there's not really a lot of people who are saying it's wrong to shame people who look like this. So it, I kind of wanted to have some sort of fetish community body positivity thing. Okay, that's awesome. And I, I think, I mean, in the rubber community, there do tend to be a lot more people who look like me. But the rubber community in Melbourne was very underground prior to my winning. I mean, I don't want to say that I did a lot, but I was kind of a catalyst that got everyone out of their bedrooms and into the bar. The fact that I was there sort of was like, oh, there is a rubber community. We should go out more. I, I love the pun that kind of comes along with that. Uh a cat, a list that got everyone out of the bed and into the bars. <laughs> that was unintentional, <laughs> but I'm going for it too now. <laughs> well, how are you staying kinky during COVID? Um, well, I'm looking at a lot of porn and wanking a lot. <laughs> That's probably, and, and gearing up every now and then. I've, I haven't geared up much, to be honest. It's definitely taken a little bit more of a backseat. I've mostly just been playing a lot of video games and uh, watching a lot of movies and trying not to think about what's going on. There's, I know there's been a lot of Zoom stuff going on. And as someone who's a little bit more introverted, I find Zoom worse than going out to the bar. Like it's, it's a bad substitute in my eyes because I can't push my way to the front of a conversation. So I end up just sitting there while everyone talks to each other and oh, I'm not involved at all. So I, I think that Zoom, while it works really well for some people, I still much prefer a one-on-one. And you can't get that in that realm. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. I guess the the substitution for that is the chat room. If you, um, uh, I, I when your episodes airs, uh, if we're still in quarantine, we'll probably have the Zoom parties that we have every Tuesday when we release the new episode. And kind of what happens is like we start playing the first 20, 30 minutes of the episode, and then people will go right into chat mode and they'll mm. like click on individual people to have conversations with. And you'll see people laughing and smiling and just in engaging while the podcast is playing through. And that kind of starts like a, I guess like a, a banter between all of the, the guests that come to the zoom party mm. after the uh, airing of that episode. Yeah. And I think there's definitely ways to get a, to make it work. Like I've done a couple of the Chicago rubber men. Well, actually, no, I've done one. I shouldn't say a couple. I've done one of those. Um, and they had like a, a trivia quiz thing, which was fun. Like, cause you were still interacting with something, even if you weren't talking it, Zoom by itself and as a group chat, I don't think works very well for everyone. Right, definitely not. For some people, it's amazing. For, for a lot of people, it's a really, really great substitute and it's definitely better than nothing. I think particularly extroverted people need that sort of thing. Me, I am I would prefer, uh, yeah, it's, it's not really my thing. 
Yeah. Well, maybe like a one-on-one FaceTime with, with totally, one of your friends. Totally, yeah. I've been one-on-one yeah. FaceTiming a lot. Not so much in a kinky way, but hey, if the, if the timing is right, I've definitely geared up and had some video fun with friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Liam, for coming on the show today. Uh, before we go, I did want to ask you, do you have any more fun or kinky sex stories? I was going to mention at some point the most interesting place I've had kinky sex. Uh, it was in an embassy with the ambassador. Oh, my. Mm, so that was a good time. <laughs> Care to elaborate? <laughs> uh, it was when I was living in Estonia. Okay. Uh, so already a pretty small diplomatic posting. I'd met this guy on recon. Um, he took me back to his apartment, which I did not realize because it was a couple of days into me being in Estonia, that it was a particularly fancy apartment uh, or that he drove a particularly fancy car. I also didn't notice the little flag on the front. Um, just before we got indoor to his place, he put a hood on me so I didn't see any of the stuff as I went in. And it was only as I was about to leave that I noticed like the big coat of arms and all the flags. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Am I in an embassy? Wow. You, you fucked royalty. <laughs> well, I, I mean, being the ambassador... Well, maybe, maybe don't say specifically. <laughs> he was, he was we the, don't want to out anybody. He was the ambassador. He was from a. He was from another European country and not a particularly important one. Okay. Well. Uh, so being the uh, the ambassador from that country to Estonia is a pretty low diplomatic posting. Well, what did you guys do? Did he like tie you up and stuff? Yep, I was uh, restrained. He, I was wearing rubber. He was wearing leather. I was tied to the bed at one point and then he fucked me and then he undid the zip on my suit and fucked himself on me. Fuck. Yeah, it was really hot. And then I think we had some beer afterwards. I remember being in the apartment portion there for quite a while. Wow, it seems like you have had some uh, very kinky experiences throughout Europe. Yeah. <laughs> I also once had sex on the border of Estonia and Latvia where I was in Estonia and he was in Latvia. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. We could only do it for about two minutes before we were like, okay, this is... You're going to get caught. Yeah. No. Oh, no, because the border there was a creek. So we were standing oh. either side of the creek. So ergonomically, it was not the most doable thing. But you did have sex in two places at once, kind of. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. I, well, I was in Estonia and a little bit of me was in Latvia. That, when Which part? My penis. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much all I got. <laughs> My two, my two best sex stories just knocked out of the park right there. Love it. Love it. So, okay. Speaking of kinks, uh-huh. we already talked about like kind of your bubblegum pop experience. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other stories that you have that are like kinks gone wrong, like, or situations that just don't turn out the way you wanted? Um, the, the first one that pops into head immediately was, uh, there was this guy that I'd been flirting with for a while um, online. And I'd, I'd met him before because he was doing some security stuff at Eurovision because pretty like there's a lot of volunteers at Eurovision and they need, you know, they just get them from the general public. And of course the gays love Eurovision. So a lot of them will just volunteer to do stuff. So he was doing something with security. So I'd run into him a few times and I was like, oh, hey man, how you doing? <laughs> anyway, so I, he invites me over one night and I'm like, okay, cool. I got nothing on tonight. And I don't know, I guess I missed the... Uh, subtext, but I assumed we were going to hook up um, and that it was just going to be us. So I put my cat suit on and then threw jeans and a jacket over the top. I didn't, I didn't put a t-shirt on or anything. 
Um, I was just wearing my big bulky winter jacket. So you were just like ready to go, like take off the winter yeah, yeah. jacket. You're going to be in rubber. Just chuck off the jeans. I'm in a full cat suit. I see. Uh, and I get to his place and it's a house party. <laughs> Wait, what? Like a yeah, Christmas it, party or something? Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, just, just like he'd invited a dozen, maybe a bit more, 15, 20 people oh, uh, to no. his house for a party. So what did you do? Because you had to take I, that coat off at some point, right? I did not take that coat off. <laughs> And everyone thought I was insane, what? at least initially. And then, and then I like made some line about, "No, oh, I'm from Australia. It's really hot there. I'm freezing right now." And everyone <laughs> sort of bought that. Obviously, nobody thought too hard about it or or knows much about the geography of Australia because I live in the cold part of Australia. And also, it wasn't that. It was May in in Copenhagen. That um, sucks, though. Did you ever end up having sex with them? Oh yeah, once everyone left. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um. But the, the 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 reason why I remember which night it was is because the guy I'd hooked up with the night before was there. <laughs> uh, and at, at one point, we were all just sort of hanging out, and I was talking to the guy I'd hooked up with, and um, one one of the friends of the of the person who whose party it was, uh, she was like, "Hang on, you two, did you guys fuck?" <laughs> uh, and I was like, "What?" And she's like, yeah, that guy has said nothing to no one since the entire party. But as soon as you turned up, he started talking and got really excited. You two <laughs> fucked, didn't you? And I was like, I mean, yes, but how do you know that? Apparently she was like a profiler for like law enforcement, uh, like the, okay. F- the, the, the Danish equivalent of the FBI or something. Okay. That's so really she's funny. like, does all this stuff reading people. It was, But it was like, oh my God, did, like, did you tell them? <laughs> If she only knew how many people at that party you really fucked. Yeah, well, I mean, at that point it was one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it also makes me wonder, did she like see straight through my lie about being cold? Like uh-huh. I wonder if she, I wonder if she knew that my uh wearing the jacket was for another reason. Yeah, probably, probably. What did he say when you like took your jacket off? Did he just think that you had this whole thing planned out like it was being no, sick I- or like I, th- I think about midway through, he realized what was going on. But I think he found, I, I, I know he definitely found the whole situation funny when it was revealed. <laughs> because, yeah, he, he, well, I mean, he's a goofy kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, those, those like you said before, like, those are some of the best experiences. Like, if you can laugh while you're hooking up, they're memorable. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I, I want to have fun. I'm not a very serious person. And when, when I get into, like, a really submissive headspace, I, I guess I get kind of serious. But I, I, there's still room to laugh at stuff going wrong. It breaks a bit of tension. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, before we go, how can we reach out to you if, if we wanted to? Um, I am on Instagram most easily at Rubber Liam. My recon profile is the same name too. So if you use recon, you can find me on that. That's probably the easiest. I don't normally add people to Facebook unless I've had some sort of conversation with them. But if you do want to chat and you don't use Instagram or Recon, you can probably shoot me a message on Facebook and then I will add you after we've had a bit of a chat. However, I have the very generic Anglo-Celtic name of Liam Clark. (laughs) So there might be 17 million of you. (laughs) It's it's not a crazy common name, but Clark is a super common surname. So there are a lot of Liam Clarks out there. Well, thank you again so much, Liam, for coming on the show. And before we go, I'd like to remind all of you that in the midst of COVID-19, there are several organizations here in the Los Angeles leather community that are here to help. The LALC Cares, Boulevard Pantry, and LA Leather COVID-19 Assist. 
If you or anyone you know is in need of assistance, please reach out. I will have links in the description below. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Facebook as Brandon Bullet. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Okay.